Good morning, Thrive Church. Man, I just want to say this before we jump into today's message. Man, I miss gathering with you guys so much, um, but it's been great to keep up with you on social media, to see all your comments in the sections during our worship services. Thank you for continuing to engage, and I cannot wait till we get to gather again soon together and worship God as a family at Thrive Church again. Well, if you have your copy of God's Word, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 13 as we continue our series in the parables of Jesus. Uh, you know, last year in the fall, my son and I, we planted bulbs, spring bulbs. One, thing, one of the things I love to do is garden. I know it's kind of a, a weird thing uh, for someone, like a, especially a guy to love to do, but I just love to do gardens. And so anyway, we're planting spring bulbs. My son every day would ask, you know, has it grown yet? Are they growing yet? I said, no, 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 they grow in the springtime. Well, in the springtime, they grew. Man, it was beautiful. The bulbs did great. The rabbits did not eat them. I was so excited. But one of the things we ran into was this. He began to see that weeds were also growing around, around our bulbs. And so we had to go and, and pull weeds and pull weeds up. He said, Dad, I, I don't like planting these, these bulbs and these seeds because weeds are growing up too. And I said, son, you have to understand that if you're going to have a garden, you're going to have weeds as well. And so we can't stop planting the pretty bulbs just because there's weeds. There'll always be weeds. We just have to pull them out. And I said, son, what we're going to do is we're going to plant seeds and we're going to pull weeds. Well, Jesus actually shared the same concept to people in the first century that he was teaching to. He was using this technique called parables, which our series is all about. And he was digging in, showing them how uh, kind of like these earthly stories had a heavenly meaning to them. How stories they could understand, they could relate to. And Jesus would always teach with these as it was prophesied about him in Psalm 78.2 and in other passages in the Old Testament that the coming Messiah would teach in parables. And so he was teaching with this technique called parables to them. And in Matthew chapter 13, it's recorded... Uh, that he actually goes into on a tangent of teaching about this kind of agriculture, uh, agricultural theme that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is like. And Matthew was speaking to Jews. He was writing to Jews. He wanted Jews to understand this concept since he was primarily writing to them. And so Jesus goes on in Matthew 13 saying the kingdom of heaven is like the kingdom of heaven. It's like, it's like, Jesus, can you please stop what the kingdom of heaven is like? But here's why he did it. They understood religion, but the Jews did not understand what the kingdom of God was, was, was going to be like. That this movement that Jesus would institute with his death, burial, and resurrection, they had no clue what it would look like. And so in Matthew 13, he has these, these uh, uh, just teachings about the kingdom of God is like with the picture of planting seeds, the picture of weeds in there. And so I want you to look at Matthew 13, and we're going to look today at Matthew 13, 31 through 33. And here's what he says. He says, here's another illustration that Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and the birds come and make nests in its branches. And Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated through every part of the dough. Now, when you first look at this parable, just when you isolate it, you could think, man, what he's saying is, is the kingdom of God will start very small, but expand into something amazing. And that's true. 
When you look at he, what, what he said about you know, the seed, the mustard seed, and then what he said about the dough, that's true. But when you look at the passage of Matthew 13 and you break down the seed in the soil, he, he opens up uh, telling them these parables about the sower and the soil and the seed in which the last four weeks of this series, we're going to dig into that. And what he shows them there is that when a farmer planted seed, birds came and stole the seed. The birds were the enemy. He actually compares the birds to Satan stealing the word, the seed of the word, out of our hearts. When you look at the yeast and the dough, Paul actually uses that in an illustration to talk about how sin can actually permeate our lives in a little way, how sin starts small and it grows. And then Jesus speaking about um, unleavened bread and how a little bit of that can ruin the whole bread, he uses that illustration later. So here's the problem we have with this passage. At first look, it seems like it's just one-dimensional. Yeah, the kingdom of God will just expand and never be stopped. And is that true? Yes, that is a true statement. But here's the other part of this, of this passage that many of us will miss. That Jesus is using kind of the same type of prototypes of illustrations with birds. And so he says that the mustard seed is going to grow and grow into a tree. It doesn't actually grow into a tree, right? It's a huge bush. But he says that birds will come in and make their nest in it. Now, you can look at that positively, but if you look at the previous parable, if you connect these two, because Jesus was teaching all, you know, kind of in one theme, we see that the birds actually could be something bad that could steal other seeds. When you look at the yeast working through all the dough, yes, the kingdom of God won't be stopped and it starts small and then it grows big. But when you look at that, you could also say this, that the yeast could be something bad. That it could be something that gets inside of what the kingdom of God is doing and it's, it's hurting it. And here's why the parable right before this one, Jesus shares about the wheat and the tares. And in that parable, we don't have time to read the whole thing and get into it. But in that parable, what Jesus does is he shows his listeners that a farmer planted seeds. He planted, planted wheat. And at a certain time, he noticed that weeds, that tares had grown up in the wheat. And here's the problem with that. The farmer uh, asked, what should I do about this? And Jesus says that the explanation given was wait till they both grow to full stature. And then we're going to cut them both down and we'll separate them. And he uses that kind of as a form of in, in judgment in the last day. There's a lot of people who look like believers who are in the church. But you know what? You won't know until the last day. And he, and he says this. He says that there's wheat and there's tares. And that while the farmer was sowing wheat, there was someone else sowing other seeds as well. And so we look at this whole passage of Matthew 13. As we break this down and, and study this, um, as I begin to say, well, then what can we get from this? Here's the big idea I want you to get today. And here it is. Write this down if, if you're taking notes at your home today. And it's this. When we plant seeds for God's kingdom, we must be alert that our enemy is planting seeds as well. That's the two sides of the coin. That when we're planting seeds for God's kingdom, we've got to be alert that our enemy is also planting seeds as well. In Matthew 13, 28, the farmer exclaimed, an enemy has done this, right? He was upset. An enemy has done this. See, an enemy had stepped in and had been planting seeds while he was planting seeds as well. And can I say this? Many times we're not alert. 
we're so focused. If we start planting seeds for God's kingdom, we don't think about at the same time, simultaneously, there's an enemy planting seeds as well. I mean, think about it. So like, you know, you get back involved in the local church and so you want to start serving and maybe you've never served before and that's your first own ramp is just serving faithfully and consistency and you're looking at serving or maybe you were hurt by church so now you're giving it another chance and you're jumping back in and you're serving and guess what happens? You start serving and you're planting seeds for the kingdom. Isn't that beautiful? Well, think about this. You decide to start giving you're going to sow seeds financially for the kingdom of God. And you say, I am going to tithe. I'm going to give offerings. I'm going to support church plants and missionaries. I'm going to see God's kingdom take off, and I'm going to be a part of this. I'm going to sow seeds. And it's beautiful, right? Or maybe for you, it's doing family devotions. And you say, you know what? I'm going to take the lead on teaching my children that the church does a good job, but I'm actually going to take a lead on teaching my children the Bible and teaching them biblical principles, and we're going to be a household that follows God, and you make the decision to do that. And that's a beautiful thing. You're planting seeds for the kingdom. You start reading the Bible. You say, man, I'm going to dig into Scripture. I'm going to look at Scripture. I'm going to dig into Scripture, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to plant seeds for the kingdom in my heart, that I am going to pray, I'm going to read the scriptures, I'm going to fall in love with Jesus. And all these things are wonderful. You're planting seeds for the kingdom. But here's what we have to understand. When we plant seeds for God's kingdom, we've got to be alert that our enemy is planting seeds as well. And so think about it on the flip side. You're planting seeds for the kingdom. And you know what happens? An enemy comes in to plant as well. Ready? You start giving financially. You say, man, I'm going to support the work of God. I'm going to tithe. God gets my first and my best. He gets my best overs, not my leftovers. You, you tell your family, we're going to be a family that leaves a legacy for the kingdom. And then that very week, what happens? Your pay gets cut. You lose your job. Something happens because an enemy is planting seeds as well. Remember the farmer exclaimed, an enemy has done this. It wasn't my happenstance, but there was an enemy planting seeds as well. There was birds nesting in the mustard uh, uh, you know, plant that you planted. You start serving the local church and you're excited about serving. Maybe you're leading a small group. Maybe you are stepping up to be a lead in a certain area. And what happens? Your work is asking more of you now. Maybe you're going through a time where you have a physical ailment or something's happening. So now you, you, you feel like you can't do what you committed to do. You can't plant the seeds for the kingdom because you didn't calculate that the enemy would plant seeds as well. Maybe for you, you open the Bible up, and like I said, you're, you're studying the scriptures, man. You want to fall in love with Jesus, and you want to study the Bible. And as you begin to do that, guess what? You come over a, across a blog that begins to try to discredit the Bible or tries to, to go through and say really weird things about stuff. And, and because you're young or, or maybe you haven't really studied the Word, you start reading the blog or you have a friend that tells you something or you watch something on YouTube, and guess what? You have doubt in your heart. You have disbelief in your heart, and the enemy has planted seeds as well. See, we have to be alert that when we plant seeds for the kingdom, there's also an enemy wanting to plant seeds also. Whatever God does, there's a counterfeit that the enemy will always put in place to push us off track, to get us off course, to distract us. And my fear today is, is that some of you, 
even during this situation with COVID-19 and even beyond it, you're going to want to plant seeds for God's kingdom. You're going to want to dig in and serve more and do more than you've ever done for the Lord. You're going to want to dig into your relationship with God, but you're not calculating that the enemy will plant seeds as well. And here's the important part. Here's why it matters, and here's why my heart breaks. Because many of you will not calculate that, and here's what will happen. If we allow the enemy to stop us from planting, we will miss the joy of partnering with God. Let me say that one more time. If we allow the enemy to stop us from planting, we will miss the joy of partnering with God. I mean, what that means is this is that if you stop planting seeds for the kingdom of God, you will not have that joy of knowing you're partnering with God. See, what God does is God God invites us to plant seeds for his kingdom. God's kingdom's gonna grow. It's gonna expand. God's kingdom will produce fruit, as Jesus said in that first parable, 30, 60, 100 fold. The question is, will you partner with God? Will you plant seeds to partner with God's kingdom? But what will happen is some of us will get so discouraged from the enemy's seeds that we'll stop planting for God's kingdom. And that's what the enemy wants us to do. That's the heart of it. Stop planting. Stop being a part of this massive movement that's going to change lives for generations to come until Jesus comes back. And I don't want you to have that happen to you. You know, in in my life, I've seen that happen. I remember when I first gave my life to Christ. Again, it was a radical conversion, as I shared with you the past few weeks. But that week, it was terrible. Uh, the, past, the next two weeks, I had some of the worst weeks of my life. Because I wanted to serve Jesus. So I began to lay down things, the drugs, the alcohol, the cigarettes, man, everything. Laying down stuff, getting rid of friends. Man, I was just going through this sanctifying process before the Lord. And what happened to me was this. Number one, I got fired from the job that I worked at. And my dad had to fire me. And even though he was a very hard man, he wrote a letter to me because it broke his heart to have to fire me. I'd just given my life to Christ. However, my anger had not come under control, and I got fired for something stupid I did on the job. Not only that, but two weeks later what happened was I got hit by a drunk driver at 5 o'clock in the afternoon going to a Christian concert. Totaled my car. It was a very, very serious situation. My dad was really upset with me um, just for even getting in a wreck, right? He's like, you should be looking for jobs. You shouldn't be out driving, going to concerts, you know. Uh, he's that type of guy. And it was a really difficult time for me. Not only that, but I remember studying the, the, the book of James. I was going, kind of going through the New Testament. And I remember my dad getting mad at me because I was telling my uncle about my conversion. And I was telling him about the faith with works. I was just reading in James. And my dad last out. He said, I'm not going to have a blanking televangelist in my house. You're not going to be Jimmy Baker, Jim Swagger, or whatever. And my dad cursed at me and said, don't you ever talk about this in my house again. I remember going to my room and crying. I wanted to quit. I wanted to give up on sowing seeds for the kingdom. I didn't know what that meant back then. But I was ready at 20 years old to throw in the towel. I said, if this is what serving you means, God, I don't want all this pain and discomfort. I don't want all this displeasure. Could you imagine if I would have thrown in the towel at 20 years old? Could you imagine what would have happened in my life? I want you to pause for a second and think about your life. Could you imagine at the end of your life if you stopped sowing seeds for the kingdom because you got discouraged because an enemy sowed seeds as well? Some of you served God with all of your heart for a season, but you let discouragement, you let despair, you let circumstances, you let the seeds of the enemy stop you from sowing seeds for God's kingdom. 
And my heart is, is that today that you would say, you know what? I am not going to let the enemy do that again. So here's what we have to do. Every week we have like an action step, something that you've got to do. I don't want you to listen to a message and say, just good message. Thank you for that, those compliments. But I want you to live out the message of Jesus. Remember, that's why he, he spoke in parables. So they would live out what he was teaching. So here's our next step today. I want you to write this down. Here's what we have to do. We can't let the seeds of the enemy deter us from continuing to plant for the kingdom. We can't let the seeds of the enemy deter us from planting seeds for the kingdom. Because my fear is, is that you're, you're going to stop. That you're going to let the seeds of the enemy deter you from planting seeds for God's kingdom. As we just said, you're going to miss the joy of a life given over to planting seeds for the kingdom. See, I told my son earlier, we're going to plant seeds, but we also have to pull weeds. When you're working for the kingdom of God, there's two things you're always going to do. You're going to plant seeds and you're going to pull weeds. And what you're not going to let, you're not going to let the weeds stop you from planting seeds, right, in your life. And that's something you need to integrate into your sayings. You need to say, I am not going to let weeds stop me from planting seeds. So what are we going to do? We're going to pull weeds and we're going to plant seeds. We're going to pull weeds of the enemy. We're going to uproot those things and we're going to continue at the same point to plant seeds for the kingdom of God. My son had that mentality. Dad, if if why are we doing this? Because weeds are growing up. I said, son, we're going to miss the beauty of the spring bulbs of the tulips and the daffodils if you let the ugliness of the weeds get in the way. And so many of us have let the ugliness of the weeds stop us from planting seeds for the kingdom of God. What are those seeds today? Where has the enemy stopped you? I watch this over and over again. And guys, I just want to be honest with you. I just want to pause for a second and tell you it is discouraging to watch over and over again people to stop planting because the enemy shows up and plants weeds in the middle of their seeds and they don't realize that his plan is to get them to stop planting for the kingdom of God. So today we can't let the enemy deter us from doing that. And so here's two thoughts on this today. Here are two thoughts I want you to write down. And here are two thoughts that have saved me from not quitting in ministry. And here's the first one. Expect your greatest surprises during your seasons of growth. Let me say that one more time. Expect your greatest surprises during your seasons of growth. I mean, Matthew 13, 28, the farmer exclaimed, an enemy has done this. See, the wheat had already begun to grow. And as the wheat began to grow, he saw tares in there as well. And he said, and he was surprised to see the weeds growing up with his seeds. And you have to understand this, during your greatest seasons of growth, when you begin to launch out that you're going to stop doing something that's going to hurt you, you're going to stop doing something that's maybe sinful, you're going to start something that's holy before God, do you understand that when you do that, that is exactly when you're going to see those weeds begin to grow and you're going to say, man, I was doing so good. See, let me share a principle with you. Our church grew from about 20 to 25 people, mostly were senior citizens. We started this church eight years ago. And over the years, we've broken different barriers of growth. And here's what I've seen every time we've had a surge of growth. People act a fool. And I'm ready for it now. It's people you never would expect either. 
it's people, I don't know why this happens, but I think the enemy wants it to happen. I think people may get uncomfortable with new people, with growth, but there are people who make their exit and make it ugly sometimes during the greatest seasons of growth at church when they should be the most excited. And here's what would happen to me. I would not, I would let, you know, I would see the growth. I would see the salvations. I would see things happening. I would see the wheat per se, right? But the weeds began to discourage me from the seeds of the wheat. And you have to understand something. You cannot let that happen. During your greatest seasons of growth, expect your greatest surprises in life. You have to be aware that the enemy is going to plant at the same time that you are planting for the kingdom. And I've seen this over and over and over again. When I've done something for the Lord, when I've gone into new seasons for God, new levels, you've heard the old preacher say, new levels, here come new devils. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's what happens. So I want you to take that surprise factor out. I'm, now, whenever our church begins to grow and we have these surges that happen, can I be honest with you? I'm ready. I am ready for the craziness to kind of come up out of nowhere. I am ready for those things to happen. Why? Because whenever we plant seeds for the kingdom, we've got to also pull weeds of the enemy. And it's going to happen during your greatest seasons of growth in your life. Get ready for that. And finally this morning, I want you to understand this. Never underestimate what consistent faithfulness and obedience to God can do over a lifetime. Let me say it one more time. When it comes to planting seeds for the kingdom, never underestimate what consistent and faithful obedience to God can do over a lifetime. I said this before in my previous message. Stop trying to hit home runs. I'm tired of people ready to launch some great big ministry endeavor. The people that make the greatest impact for the kingdom aren't those that swing for the fence. They're those that get base hits. You know, Larry Osborne from North Coast Church in California said this. He'd been in ministry for 45 years, and he's someone that I love to listen to. When I go to a conference, if he's there, I just sit in all his sessions. I tell people he could teach on changing a tire, and I would listen to it because there'd be something fruitful. And he says this. He says, we often overestimate what God wants to do in the short term. But we underestimate what God can do over a lifetime. And so many times for us when it comes to planting seeds, we're impatient. Remember my son, I said we planted those bulbs. And every day, November, December, January, February, he came out. Are they growing yet? Like, no, no, they're not, son. They're not. It takes a while. You know, the only thing that grows in the same season you plant it is weeds. Weeds grow in the same season that, that they actually begin to, to, to germinate. True seeds actually take time and almost a season. Our bulbs took a whole season to germinate and the beauty come out. Some of us are wondering why we're not seeing the results that we want in our life. Can I tell you this? You've not been planting or change what you're planting. If you don't like the harvest of your life, change the seeds that you're sowing in your life. And I want you to understand this. For you and for me, Let's hunker down and plant for a lifetime. Do you understand the facilities that we worship in? And I say this all the time. The facilities that we worship in, we didn't build those. There were a generation before us that had vision. There was, there was a generation before us. There were pastors before me that planted the seeds that we're, we're now seeing a harvest. 
that they built those buildings. Some people, with their, you know, with their own money, they sacrificed to see these facilities built. And one day when we, we get to heaven, you'll get to meet some of these people that you never knew and I never knew that planted seeds because you know what they understood? They understood that a lifetime of consistent faithfulness and obedience could do so much for the kingdom. And what I don't want to see happen in your life, I don't want you to let hurt and disappointment and despair and all those things, discouragement, keep you from planting seeds. Some of you are like, fine. I'm just not going to plant seeds because you got offended by someone. Fine, I'm just going to stop planting seeds because, you know, I tried that tithing thing and I didn't have like the hundredfold increase. It's not about that. If you're giving to God for what you can get back from it, that's called selfishness. And God calls us to be selfless and we're going to give and we're going to serve and we're going to study the Bible and we're going to make disciples. Why? Because we're going to plant seeds to see God's kingdom grow. But you cannot let hurt, you cannot let disappointment and discouragement keep you from doing that. I went through a season of ministry. And it was a very discouraging season. We had just broken a, a growth barrier. Remember I told you that your growth comes or your greatest surprises come during your greatest seasons of growth. And I was so hurt by people that had left our church and did it badly. They hurt me deeply. They said mean things and lie, you know, they lied about me. They hurt me. And I was so emotionally broken because I, I just didn't, I'd never read this passage this way. I didn't expect the seeds of the enemy to be sown at the same time as the seeds of God's kingdom. And can I tell you, a lot of times the people who are planting the enemy's seeds are other Christians. Yeah, I've been hurt more by other Christians than people who don't serve Jesus. And I was extremely disappointed. As a matter of fact, I talked to my wife about what does my life look like without ministry? What could I do? What skills do I have? How could I reshape my resume? And how could I go back into the workforce in order to not keep experiencing the pain that I'm experiencing in ministry? And, and I, I looked at that carefully, and I prayed about that. And about God and I and my wife and I, we had a lot of conversations about it because of what the toll that it was taking on me. But can I tell you something? Uh, recently, uh, my son has been asking about what I do. And we have a lot of conversations. As a matter of fact, I shared the gospel with him for the first time. You know, the gospel is not accepting Jesus in your heart. I, I know that, you, you know, that, you know, personally, you may believe that. The gospel is that Jesus died on the cross historically. He rose again from the dead. He was God's son. He's the only way to heaven. We must repent and we must give our life to him. And I explained the gospel to my son, not just accept Jesus in your heart, but something that is the gospel. Now, did he say, yes, I believe and I accept it? No, he didn't say that. Um, matter of fact, he probably doesn't understand it fully right now at this point. But can I tell you something? We talk about it. The other night in bed, he asked me, he said, Dada, when can we go to see where Jesus died on the cross together? I want to go with you. He started crying because he can't go yet. He wants to go see that because it's a historical event that happened. He wants to go experience those things. And more than that, he's been really intrigued about what I do for my, for my vocation, my career, my calling, um, because it's not as simple as my wife works at the hospital and helps people. And so something happened the other day that actually blessed my heart more than anything. I want you to watch this short video, then I'm going to explain to you the backdrop of this. Uh, so uh, uh, Jesus died on the cross, well, but, uh, uh, but he, uh, he comes back into our heart. Good job. And he's still alive. 
Amen to that. So my son was over at Isabel's and, uh, that day, and he, on his own, as you just saw in the video, picks up these magnetiles, and he makes a microphone out of it, and he begins to preach to everybody. Nobody cued him to do it. It kind of just happened on its own. And, you know, and I saw the video, and I thought, man, that is so precious. That's pretty. You know, that's cute. But my son told me this other day. We were getting out of the car, and he didn't know I'd watched the video. He said, Dad, Dad, the other day I made a microphone out of magnetiles. He said, and I preached Jesus to everybody. Because he asked me, what, what, what do I do? I said, I, I preach Jesus and preach the Bible. He says, I preach Jesus to everybody. I preach the Bible. He said, nothing I said was fake, Dada. Everything was true. He said, Dada, I want to be just like you when I grow up. And I'm going to tell you something. It, it hit me in, the, in my heart. Because my son is watching me preach the gospel. He's watching me lead the local church. He's watching me invest into pastors. He's watching me do these things. And he's seeing me plant seeds for the kingdom of God. Could you imagine if several years ago I would have tapped out and said I've done with this because of the weeds? I don't know what, you know, what my son will become in life. I don't know what he'll do in life. But I do know this. He's watched me preach the gospel and now he has a desire to preach the gospel to others as well. Don't let the seeds of the enemy stop you from planting seeds for God's kingdom. And today, if you're watching this and you're realizing, yeah, man, I, I have let that happen. The first thing you're going to do is turn and say, God, forgive me for doing that. And God, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull weeds and I'm going to plant seeds. I will never let the weeds stop me from planting seeds. I'm going to be praying for you this week and praying specifically that you will have the strength and endurance because let me tell you something, your seeds that you are planting are going to change generations 